Welcome to The Uncertainties, the podcast for 20-somethings who don't quite have their shit together yet. I'm your host, Karis, and I started this podcast because the last few years have been a huge learning curve for me. Entering the world of work, moving out of my family home, trying and often failing to live up to the challenges of being a fully-fledged adult. It can be overwhelming at the best of times, and I know that I'm not the only person who feels like this because I'm going to be speaking to a bunch of my friends and people that I admire about the struggles that they have faced and how they are able to absolutely smash life. Today's guest is an incredibly inspirational and accomplished woman. She studied politics and international studies at Warwick University and is now an executive director at Goldman Sachs. In the last few years, she set up a conversation about womanhood, which is a community for women described as a healthy and ongoing dialogue about all things womanhood within a very lovely, vulnerable and safe environment. So welcome, Shayon Toy Coyote. I am so 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 excited to be talking to you. Thank you so much. Amazing. Oh, um, thank you. Great honor. So thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for doing this and carving out some very valuable time in your evening. I really 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 appreciate it. Um how are you doing? How was your Christmas? Were you able I'm to enjoy good. yourself? So Christmas, I made a very wise decision. Mm. So in October my husband and I were like, okay, Christmas, what are we going to do? This is our yeah. second Christmas married. And the first Christmas, we had it just us two. It was all great. But then oh, I lovely. was so devastated because I've never had Christmas without my family. Yeah, so no, I, I can't like, imagine that. You can have one Christmas, I'll have the other. So this was my Christmas. And I was like, you know what? We're going to go to Lagos. Bear in mind, yes. COVID, lockdown, everything. But we were like, we'll just book our flights and we'll see where we are. Mm. time. So we ended up going to Lagos for two and a half weeks. And it was honestly incredible. Oh, I got my hair braided. I got. Sun. I was gonna say your hair is looking amazing. Yeah, love. You know, I got sun. I got to see my parents who I hadn't seen all year. Oh, um, so siblings. nice. I finally got my Christmas um pajama photo of all of us. Oh, um, <laughs> amazing! Love great. that. And because of COVID, like we didn't really do very much. We were all just at home. Mm. And my sister, my sister's a pastry chef, and I obviously love cooking. So we did all the cooking at home. We got to bond. Like it was amazing. A great oh. weeks. and then we came back to London on Sunday we were back in lockdown so <laughs> you could not have times that any better <laughs> wow 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 oh my gosh I was gonna ask actually um how what's the state of COVID in Nigeria at the moment is it uh, is it really in, bad or well like any other third world country the the, the true answer is I don't know mm. because there's no stats and no one is really measuring it but I do know that every single friend I saw tested positive Wow. Okay. Well, I've had four COVID tests in the space of like three weeks or something crazy like that. Oh my God. Constant contact. So it is, it is. And because they've started having large events, you know, Nigerians, they love their weddings. Yeah. They <laughs> wedding every single day, <laughs> which are obviously super spreader events. So mm. yeah, I think it is, it is bad, but there's never, there's not going to be a lockdown, you know, nothing like that is going to happen. And I think, you know, the locals don't really get it because you know, I guess they just have incredible immunity and also they don't travel. Right. You know? So it's 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 a disease that is very much within the middle class. And so touch wood, I've not heard of any like casualties over the past couple of weeks um, personally, but I do know that people are passing away, especially if they have underlying health conditions, etc. Yeah. But, so you know, it's not as bad as it is in the UK. 
I know. I mean, it's anywhere as bad as it is in the UK after the news over the last couple of days. It is just so crazy. It's, it's, and I feel so bad because I feel like we all had, um, let's say, I mean, we all try not to, but I think at the end of every year, you kind of want to like put it to bed and think, have a bit of hope that the next year is going to be better. And we're seven days into January and it's like, back into a huge lockdown Mm -hmm. the stats are devastating yeah I mean we're recording this the day after horrendous (laughs) events in the US I mean it's it's hard to keep positive it's (laughs) very hard and as a politics student it's also hard to keep sane and it's it's very difficult to have day-to-day conversations and not bring politics into it or try to give people perspective Um, but it's been traumatic and you know I was mentally prepared I think the thing for me and how I've been able to navigate this entire lockdown season is just acceptance Mm. I had to accept early on probably around March that I was not going to return to the office for at least two years I was not going to go on holiday for about two years probably like Mm. I just had to accept that early on so that everything that could happen would be a bonus because my personality type I would have had severe anxiety throughout so I just needed to accept and even now with 2021, of course, I'm excited that it's a new year, etc. But I'm also mindful that not much is going to change. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's something about our generation where we're so optimistic and hopeful. And I'm definitely that girl. But I think it has to be layered with a level of reality and acceptance that, you know, will just allow help us navigate stuff a lot better. So that's where I've landed. My expectations yeah. are fully managed. <laughs> that's a very good way to be, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's actually so interesting that you say that because I saw that you posted something really um, insightful and something that I thought really tied into the podcast so well. I was like, oh, oh my God, God, this is amazing. Because oh you, were, you did a really interesting post just about uncertainty and how your, as you just said, your personality is not really suited to it at all. It makes you incredibly anxious. I mean, as pretty much everybody, but um, that it puts you in a kind of a state of anxiety and worry and that... Um, that one of the things that's got you through of course is your faith and your relationship with God yeah. and um, amongst a lot of other things and I just thought that was so interesting and um, really powerful and I something that I just wanted you to talk about a little bit more that you, you know how your faith has helped you but also um, yeah other coping mechanisms as you say that have kind of helped yeah. you to navigate your way through such kind of difficult and I hate to use the word unprecedented but unprecedented times no absolutely and uh, you know honestly I'm very happy to kind of hear you say that and point that out because anyone who knows me and you know of course Tanya is your Mm. sister and is one of my closest friends knows that like ever since like I guess it's just kind of been maybe ever since I was 19 I just rediscovered my faith and it's been a severe anchor for me which is quite interesting because obviously in this day and age like being a person of faith is not really cool or trendy or Mm. by any means like what most people are or are doing but I see myself as a person of faith but also a feminist also you know very very liberal from you know from a political view perspective Mm -hmm. um also obviously a woman a black woman and so there's so many different layers within that that could define me but I think for me my faith is basically just who I am and it's just I would really describe it as an anchor. And I think when I found out about the lockdown, when it was announced, I was like, okay, if there's one commitment I'm going to make, I have the time now. There's no excuse of like commuting, which is like commuting now seems like this bad memory. Oh but I'm like, God, oh my God, God, 
guys, when I'm t- telling my kids, like, oh, 40 years ago, we used to go on these things called trains to work. And they're like, mom, what the hell? Anyway, that's that's my version. That's, that's my mindset about commuting right now. But when the lockdown was announced, I was like, what is one thing I can do consistently every day that I know will be good for me? And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try and read read my Bible every day. And I literally have done it every day consistently since March. When was it? March 23rd, 2020. And honestly, and so then I decided to share it, share like one verse on Instagram a day. Mm. And I found that like, firstly, I've made so many friends from it. We, I have like a little community of people who like look forward to the verses every day. And we have a bit of a discussion. But what I also learned was that there, there is a word for everything, every emotion, every season, every way of thinking. And so even just meditating on the words just gives me so much comfort. And I'll give you an example. So yesterday, well, as people listening to this will eventually see when they listen, <laughs> the US went crazy yesterday. Um, yeah. Trump's supporters stormed the Capitol. And obviously as someone who studies politics and really cares about democracy, very disheartening, very confusing. And I mean, I was- it's like devastating to watch. It's so scary, yeah. so scary. Yeah. yeah. And you hear people like Joe Biden and everyone saying, this is not the America. And it's like, it absolutely is. Yeah. It's yeah. the reality of the America that many people who live there, particularly Black people, know full well. And so welcome to the reality. And hopefully this is eye-opening for people. Mm. But then I just found a verse that was basically talking about how human allegiance is fleeting. And I was like, wow, what else, what else is there to say? Absolutely. Like it, human allegiance is so fleeting. A woman lost her life. Three other people were killed for a guy who doesn't care about them. Yeah. At the end of the day, he's not going to be president. Joe Biden is going to be sworn in on the 20th of January. Touch wood, because with America, you never know. We really have to see it through to see it through. I know, right? Yeah. But, you know, if my if my confidence and my you know peace of mind is in the world being in order, what would the year have looked like? And so for me, I just, I love the fact that like what I hold on to is something that is intangible something that doesn't change. It's just a, a level of consistency and commitment that gives me peace. And so, yeah, that's that's how I've, I've coped. I've also coped by cooking. My sister and I, who's a pastry chef, we started an Instagram page where we post our recipes and we make videos of ourselves cooking. Oh, and, hello. You know, okay, very it's cool. It's called Chef's Oh, I saw this, but <laughs> I didn't have a chance to look on the page. So yeah. is, it, is it just cooking or baking or a bit of both? It's a bit of both. I do a okay. lot of cooking. She does some baking, but it's basically just homemade recipes with like the ingredients that we love. And honestly, I look forward to my Chef's Sissy post. I look forward to cooking. My husband and I love wine. We've bought so much wine in this lockdown. Very needed. We even like (laughs) got our wine certification. So we're level one certified from the Wine School of England. And just things like that I wouldn't have had to do before. I get to do it now. And it's just a day by day journey. You know, some days are good. Some days are bad. But like the fundamental thing, am I alive? Am I breathing? Do I have my faith? Do I have my husband? Do I have my family? Mm. If everything is complete touch wood am I in paid employment so I can afford my life that's all you need it's become yeah. very it's kind of those daily affirmations I'm realizing yeah. that um it might sound a bit cheesy but it's so mm-hmm. true that just even repeating those things to yourself and saying yeah mm-hmm. I have family and friends around me um you know we have the internet we can connect to people even if yeah. um it's not in person yeah. as you say like we've got our health like we have got our happiness we just have to hold on to these things I think yeah. um yeah, it's, it's such an important thing. Just really quickly, can I just ask a question? Yeah. Um, what does getting a wine cert, like, what does that entail? Oh my God. So basically, 
I was like fiddling around thinking, oh, like this was like, I don't even know who was in it. It wasn't in a lockdown, it was, but it wasn't in like a free world either. And I think it was around November. I was like, oh, what can, what can I, what can we do that we really fun? Cause we have this thing where like, we made a commitment that we would have a date nights every single week of our marriage oh, to I talk about the marriage and to check like, are you so happy in there? How are you doing? How can I support you better? All those kinds of questions. So mm-hmm. we always, we alternate it week on week and it was my week and I was like, oh, what are we going to do? So I was planning it in advance because I was like, oh, we want to do something special. We both had like lockdown birthdays. Like, how do we turn this around? Mm-hmm. And I found out that you could get like a certificate to become a sommelier and it's like five levels. It's called WSET. And um, it's run by different independent like wine teachers, but it's ultimately kind of one one body that awards the certificates and it's like six hours on a Saturday and you taste loads of different wines and you have an exam and you get a certificate so I was like oh my god this combines a lot of my favorite things wine competition with my husband amazing (laughs) um a certificate incredible and exam amazing and so we signed up and I thought it was gonna be this really fun thing but oh my god the guy was really not super intense like, he was super intense oh People no were, like, getting the certificate because they wanted to work in the industry right yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we just love wine and <laughs> um, so we had the, the class and it was absolutely amazing we learned so much and I think it's actually improved the way that we drink because we really do see ourselves as people who really do love wine um it's improved the way that we drink like we learned so much and so yeah although I will say I got 83 percent my husband got 90 percent we do not oh talk about this we just say we both passed. <laughs> I mean, eighty-three, but you guys are both incredible overachievers. If I had <laughs> passing for me is fifty percent, and I'm like, yes, nailed the it. The pass is <laughs> seventy-five, so it's oh. actually quite high. Like, oh god, like, okay, that's intense. <laughs> Oh so my yeah, god! We did in November. Yeah, really fun. I'm still waiting for the certificate to arrive so I can like paste it on the wall. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Pride in place, like, like mantelpiece, of course. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my god! I remember we did. Um. Uh. Was it a wine? T- yeah, it was a wine tasting in Budapest. Oh my god! Oh, it's the wine Actually, I've never told you this. Sorry, how have I not said this? So you know, you went to Budapest for your um honeymoon. Yes. And then a week later, I went to Budapest with with my boyfriend Sam uh, because you'd been so recently. I messaged my sister like, oh, "Have you got any?" Um, ideas of like things that we can do and she just sent me your entire hen schedule and so I was like amazing we're just gonna do your hen for the week <laughs> after and that's literally what we did we went to every single place oh and we did goodness. like the baths we did that place obviously mm-hmm. I mean yeah so I was oh. like have you just taken me on a fake hen do I was like yeah pretty much I'm <laughs> loving it <laughs> I am loving every second. I was like, is it oh weird God, that we're going so to, you know, the, what is it, the baths? Wait, um, what am oh I called? Which one? Did like you go to the. Yeah, oh my. You Did you go to it? Sweet, it's Sparty. Oh my God. Yeah, which was, in sparty. retrospect was a bit much for just like for a, a couple. Quiet couple. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be so fun. Yeah, it was maybe a bit much. But yeah, no, we did that, that um, wine tasting. Wine tasting, yeah. Yeah. Do you, what, do you remember the guy that you had? It'd be so I, I Honestly, babes, I can't remember. All I know is <laughs> we had that, that weekend was one of the best. I was actually reading the questions that you sent, and one of them was like, what are some of the highlights of your 20s? That hen weekend was one of them because I had no idea. I didn't even, like, I didn't even pay for my flight. I had nothing to do with any of it. So I didn't really know what to expect. They all planned it all. 
And because obviously I was coming off the back of like my mom, my husband's mom passing away. We were her carer. She had, and she had cancer and we had to reschedule our wedding. So I had a lot on my mind and I was yeah. coming off a very, very tough season. It was a couple of weeks after her funeral. So I think they all really did it. And this is again, a point about having really, really good friends. Yeah. And you know, that doesn't really have very much to do with people. It actually has to do with you and creating the environment. Mm. But we can talk about that later, but they all organized it. And so I was able to just show up and just be like, hey guys, what's next? And it was incredible. Like they combined all of my favorite things, having all my girlfriends there, wine tasting, doing touristy stuff, really nice brunches, dinners. It was perfect. And so um, I'm glad you confirm it as someone who did it too. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I totally forgot about that. As I said it out loud, I was like, oh wait, you did that first. (laughs) You did the wine taste. I was copying you. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Um, I suppose that's quite a nice way actually for us to very nicely segue into a conversation about womanhood and kind of how it started and it began. What was the kind of inception of Mm -hmm. the idea? How was it birthed? I just like to kind of, yeah, know how how you kind of kicks the whole thing off the ground. Yeah, absolutely. I always say this quote and I can't even remember where, I think I heard it in someone's Academy Awards speech um, at the end when she said, you know, this is a product of taking your broken heart and turning it into art. And I just thought that is the perfect way to describe things. You know, for me, a lot of the good stuff that I've done in my life, especially to do around starting things, have always come from a season of severe adversity. So around, I think it was like March or so, 2017, probably, Mm. I had like a really big like friendship betrayal where I really felt like my reputation and um, who I was was being questioned. Um, And I lost quite a lot of friends in that season. And so I just was in a place of like, questioning myself like am I even a good friend am I even a good person um how can people say such things about me and I think off the back of that what I realized was something that was missing I I have like incredible girlfriends and we always have great vulnerable conversations Mm. Tanya is one of my close friends she knows what I'm talking about when we all get together it's just like magic what I found was most women don't have that yeah there is not a safe space to talk about things like, you know, sex or like your identity or faith or whatever, whatever it is that is going on in our lives right now, I always found healing through conversation. Mm. And so I just felt like, okay, how can I almost redeem myself? And I don't even think I've described it this way to anybody before, but it was really answering the question, are you, am I a good person? And do I actually add value? And am I actually a good friend and a good human being? And I was like, okay, maybe I can create an environment where like, what I have with my friends can be packaged and everyone else can experience it. And so that was the, and it was literally, I literally went to bed one night and I was thinking about it. And I literally just had like this vision of like a very pale pink with the words, a conversation about womanhood on it, ACAW for short. And I said, oh my God, that's it. That's it. And so literally two weeks later, we were at the Italian. I made, I, I always make friends with people that I live around, but anyway, I made friends with this Italian couple who have this small like restaurant on my road, like where I used to live a couple of years ago. And I was like, can I use the upstairs part of your restaurant? They were like, yes, absolutely. They even like got like r- little like place cards for everyone. And so we had 25 people, they, they all paid 20 pounds. I don't know what I said to convince them to pay. We covered <laughs> them for like a glass of wine and maybe a pasta or a pizza. And we had this conversation around identity, love and ambition. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Like it was so open and vulnerable. 
you know, I obviously always pray before any of these events. And I just really felt like there was, it was, there was a space that was birthed that was mm. unlike any other space that I'd experienced. And I knew that it wasn't just me. People had the same reaction as well. And so a conversation about womanhood was born and, you know, and, um, I have an incredible team who work with me. You know, two of them are actually like people that I, I mentored for many years. And like, you know, one of them is my cousin. One of them is, is, is my, my friend's younger sister who actually now we call like our first child. And then oh. someone, the other one who actually does all the social media, an amazing woman called Selma. She actually came to the first one and said, how can I help you with this? And I was like, I know nothing about social media. Do you mind? And they've been working with me ever since. And we are now going into our third year. We've had events in Lagos, in London, and we were supposed to have one in Ghana and also one in New York last year, but obviously with COVID that didn't happen. Mm. But the opportunity that COVID provided us was to move virtual. And so in a virtual environment where you're not seeing people, good conversation and an open space becomes even more critical to just mental health. And so we started doing a conversation about womanhood weekly and we called it Tuesday Talks. And it was just this hour on Tuesday, 8.30 p.m., where we would all gather with our glass of wine. We would talk about different topics. So the last one that we spoke about was about reflections so or reflecting on the year. The one before that, I had like three women that mentor me at work who are very, very established managing directors who have husbands and kids talking about balance. Like, what does it mean as a woman to actually balance your life? And you get different perspectives. So that, that basically is what it is. And I call myself the chief gatherer. That, that's, that's my role in it. Mm-hmm. gathering the people and having the conversation and I and the last session for me was actually really emotional because um what the girls had done was they'd ask like random people who'd come to many of the sessions to read a letter to themselves on what being part of a conversation about womanhood has meant to them as you can imagine like even oh, wow. I'm even thinking about you know I'm tearing up because you never know like how much impact you can have if you just mm. make a decision to commit to something so because of my own, you know, personal agenda and journey, people are talking about, you know, trusting themselves again, having the confidence to try out different relationships, trusting women again, thinking that people are good again, like just so many like huge things mm. that people have been able to gain from just having the community. So it's been a blessing to, to run it and, you know, it's something I'll definitely continue to do. God, that's amazing. And you're so right that, um, it's it's so important now more so than ever to feel like you have that community to and that space to be vulnerable because people are people are probably still processing a lot of it but being able to kind of have people by your side and lean on people and you know understand what everyone is going through is so mm-hmm. kind of powerful and it must be amazing for you to know yeah, just how much people have taken from that. As and I think well. what they don't realize is that I've probably taken the most because I only ever create environments that I myself actually need. So I'll give you two examples. One was when the whole Black Lives Matter thing exploded mm. and we had our Tuesday talks and it was literally like a safe space to say however you feel. And so we had different people, some people in the US, some people even in Africa, some people in the UK, just one by one sharing their experience. And, and I was like, wow, I'm so happy that I can provide this kind of space for people to feel this way. Then the second thing was the whole NSARS protest that happened yeah, I was gonna ask you know, in October. For the first week of that, I couldn't actually show up to Tuesday Talks. I was like, I, I cannot show up. Yeah. I need a day. I need a week. I need a year. And then when we eventually did have the session, I was like, let's talk about trauma. 
because for me that that was that was the reaction it felt like a traumatizing couple of days I wasn't sleeping wasn't really able to eat because I obviously had friends and family on the front lines of this thing and so we invited a therapist and it was basically like a group therapy session giving us tools on how to deal with trauma helping us understand like that this trauma is really deep because it's intergenerational a lot Mm -hmm. of unresolved generational conflict that manifests itself in lack of communication and then you have these protests so even just things like that and I'm there like of course I'm the scapegoat I'm like giving the therapist like all the information around how I'm coping and you have people literally breaking down and saying gosh like thank you for saying that because that's exactly how I feel etc so it's like it's the place that we know we can all come to to just be and the amazing Mm. thing everyone is invited you know so and it's definitely been another way actually that I've coped in in the lockdown for sure there's a quote that was actually on your Instagram and it said, mm-hmm. everyone's journey is different, but it's the shared experiences and the courage require, required to reveal the not so pretty aspects of who we are that bring us closer. Absolutely. Our tagline is vulnerability is power. Um, and for me, that's that's always like people always describe me as someone who's always worn their hearts on their sleeve. But I just say that like the moment I decided to just take off the mask, I became a free individual. Mm. and you know I you know I've been I'm not gonna go back to being caged I just enjoy this freedom so much by I don't I can I can show up however I am at any point in time and there's just a a confidence and a comfort that comes from that I also feel like in some ways it's like it's it's a way of being a leader you know you know just to show people that okay not every aspect of your life has to be perfect Mm. and I think in your 20s it really probably is more likely at the end of your 20s maybe even your early to mid 30s that 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 there is a rest about who you are and that's great because the whole point of life is an uncovering it's a journey I understand myself so much more now than I did you know three years ago even six months ago and it's an ongoing journey to becoming I, I'm sorry to like be cheesy and quote Michelle Obama's book but oh, I just feel like the, the, I love the, Michelle Obama you the, can quote her all day long everything. <laughs> it's true it is. On, a pers- on a journey of becoming mm. you know and becoming has nothing to do with perfection in, in fact it's actually the opposite and so one of my favorite quotes in the bible is in your in your weakness your my, in my weakness your strength is made perfect you know again this whole concept of vulnerability being power so that's just that's just really me and it's helped me in every area every area of my life so far and so and I think it's easy to just be who you are than trying to be someone that you're not no totally I think it's really interesting that you speak um a lot about vulnerability because I don't know what your experience is but I feel Mm -hmm. like um with kind of conversations that are had um publicly there's not enough space for specifically black women to be vulnerable when you know Uh, typically words to describe black women is very strong and resilient and all of these things and I think that comes from years and years and years of of just awful oppression and the fact that you know we're not strong but we've had to make ourselves resilient because of external circumstances but um do you think it's even harder to kind of push against that almost stereotype to be like you know to kind of give yourself a humanity that maybe society hasn't afforded black women. I I completely, absolutely. And I think it's interesting because this Christmas, one of the things I really wanted to do was to sit with my grandmas. So I've got 
my mom's mom and my dad's mom are still alive thank god and they're really healthy and doing well and they both had very interesting journeys they both live in nigeria um my grand one of them is a fashion designer the other one has been a nurse her whole life oh, wow. and so i sat with my grandma the fashion designer has had three marriages just a fascinating woman started her business when she was 21 rose to be probably the most successful fashion designer in nigeria and um, she's won wow. so many awards, et cetera, et cetera. And she's an incredible grandma. Tanya's actually met her and had lunch at her house. Oh, amazing. Um, and I was speaking to her and I was asking her, so why did your first marriage like break down? I was recording it because I was like, mm, this is great content. <laughs> like, I just don't remember. Why did your second marriage break down? Mm, I just don't remember. Obviously, I know the reasons from speaking to my parents and just, but the fact that she just would not acknowledge or say anything about any of the negative experiences that she had and she would consistently say I regret nothing I've had an amazing life which is true but the amazing life is as a result of suppressing maybe some of the darker memories and emotions that she's had to navigate Mm. you know getting pregnant super young my dad's dad passing away like while she was seven months pregnant like the trauma of all of that is buried under this I'm a strong woman and I've made it almost kind of like facade and I don't want She's an incredible woman and she she deserves everything that she's ever got. But I just, I, I, I think to myself, what if some of these generations had had this space to just be, to mm-hmm. break down, you know? And, you know, you have an African mom, so do I. So you know what I'm talking about. Like yeah, there is totally. this expectation of being strong and being almost perfect and being able to navigate all sorts of challenges unscathed and without help. And I think that that is, that is the bit that makes it really difficult. But for me, I push back against that. I push back against it because I'm like, no, I don't want to have to do this on my own. And I have this conversation with my mom all the time. If she ever finds out that I've been to therapy, my mom would freak out. Like for her, that is just, what is wrong with you? Like, like yeah, I mean, it's quite an African mother response, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. But then when, the way that she behaves and the things that she has experienced she could well benefit from maybe one or two hours of therapy, you know, herself. Exactly. But that is just not how we are raised. So I really see it as a responsibility. It's on us to change the dialogue. Mm. Um, And and, and that's how I feel about it. I know what the situation is, but I just feel like, but we can do, we can do it differently and we can do it better. And if we all try in our own little pockets, I'm doing my best with the conversation about womanhood. I've taken on many leadership roles at my firm right now to do with, you know, diversity, inclusion, recruiting, et cetera. And frankly, mentoring people one-on-one and giving them a safe space Mm. to have those conversations. And so I hope that, you know, my little bit helps, but we all, I think, have to see it that way as Black women of like breaking down this, this, this whole rhetoric about being strong, which is why I post, you know, the things I post on my Instagram. Yeah, no, it's really powerful. Were you ever, have you ever been scared about pursuing these things? And for example, like going to therapy, have you ever been worried that it could affect your relationships with your family? Like, as you just said, if your mum found out that she would be really, you know, it, it might, it might change things. Does that ever scare you or worry you? I think I don't, I couldn't, I can't afford to be scared because at the time when I went to therapy, I needed it because I was having a personal breakdown. Mm. So it wasn't optional. I, it was literally a case of like, and it's funny because it was after like the, probably some of the happiest days of my life. But you know, in life, when you just have a year where it's just a bit too much, and I'm sure mm. people 
people really relate and it might be that way for some of them as a result of 2020 but my own come to Jesus moment and my own wilderness season was all of 2019 you know I started off New Year's New Year's Eve is always my favorite day you know I you know I'm so excited for the new year and I'm able to like write down my goals and I'm getting excited about them but New Year's, New Year's 31st of December, 2018, I couldn't get out of bed. I was just in floods of tears because, you know, five days, 10 days before that, my mother-in-law had like passed away. Um, my husband became an orphan. We had to postpone our wedding, which everyone had booked their flights to attend in Nigeria. Um, moving it from um, February, no, it wasn't even, I can't even, moving it from January to April. And I just felt like I was losing control of everything very unhappy at work, feeling overworked, stressed, um, you know, and so that just began like a very uncertain season. Are we going to be able to get married? What is going to happen with work? Am I okay? Have I grieved? What has having been a carer for a cancer patient for two years done to me emotionally mm -hmm. where like I had no control of my days or my routines. Some days I would be able to go to work. Some days I wouldn't like and all this while I was living my life on Instagram, like killing it at one rebel, like blah, blah, blah. But I had a lot going on. I did have a yeah. lot going on and I, I, and I never stopped to acknowledge it. I was just kind of like cracking on and pushing to the end. And I still did that after she passed away. We planned the funeral, had the funeral. Then um, a couple of weeks later, we had our wedding in Nigeria. Then we had our wedding in France. Then we went on a honeymoon. When we came back from our honeymoon, I got on the bus to go to work and I just couldn't get off the bus. I missed my stop. I was just in floods of tears. And I remembered a friend of mine that had told me about, you know, basically saying to work, like, I can't do this anymore. And so I called her and I was like, I think I'm at this point. What do I need to do? Mm. And so she referred me to our occupational health team and thus began a journey of me, like trying to heal from the trauma that I had experienced. I don't recommend this. I don't think you should reach a breaking point, but that's why no, I'm saying yeah. I didn't have the luxury of like, oh, am I afraid of therapy? No, it was what I needed for mm. sanity because I should have been enjoying, this should have been the happiest time of my life. I've just, and honestly, my weddings, they were the most incredible, like they were absolutely incredible. And I was happy on those days and I really enjoyed it. But that was because I was foreboding or postponing my own grief and my mm. own emotions because I wanted to be present for those days. But well, the thing is with these types of things, they do catch up with you and you do have to deal with it. And so I found myself, okay, here I am at therapy. I was working like four days a week, one day from home. Can you imagine? Like that was supposed to be a flexible working arrangement. <laughs> Hilarious. One day working from home a week. <laughs> I haven't been to the office in months. But anyway, and the, so that that was that was my life in that season. And I was like, okay, this is this is my, and, and honestly, I'm so blessed to have the most incredible husband because. Obviously, I was like really supporting him. And I was like, well, this is not my, like, it's not my mom. I, I've still got my parents. So I really need to focus like on supporting him. But at the end of the day, even to the point where like, I was like, is it selfish to even have this wedding? And I was like, I'm not going to go forward until we go to therapy. And the therapist tells me that you're okay to do this. Of course, we end up in the session and it turns out that he's absolutely fine. I'm the one who has a lot of stuff to work through to like get through it. But all of that is just to say that he was incredibly supportive and he was like, look, you've supported me through my dark times. This is my time to support you. Yeah. And so having that support and that encouragement to just really like dig deep and figure out like, how can I move forward from this? Because I think the thing for me was, again, a lack of control and all of the uncertainty. Yeah. The fact that like, I'm such a certain person, but I didn't have any certainty. And so where do you go from there? And so the kind of therapy I was having was acceptance-based therapy, which is why when COVID hit, I was like, okay, 
what do I need to accept early on to avoid like breaking down later in later, later yeah. you know what I mean so yeah that was my journey and I really do think like if anyone is struggling there is no harm in reaching out for help um you know and I share this with anyone who cares to listen to me I'm not afraid of my story because it, it has made me who I am and I had like a horrific 2018 and 2019 but I had an amazing 2020 and maybe that is just the balance balance of life some good years some bad years can we talk a little bit about your marriage? Because yes, that's my the greatest best. and the best decision I ever made. And also, I think you're the first person. Yeah, you're definitely the first person on this podcast to be married. So I oh, think it's no. just so it's so exciting. So, firstly, tell me the story of how you guys <laughs> met each other because that's my favorite thing in the world. I'm like I'm coming out of like clueless from like 1990 but we actually got set up on a blind date. <gasps> Did you? Yeah we met on it we were one of those no people way. who met on a blind date. <laughs> so what, you're, you had like two friends and so, they set you yeah. up? So our friend two so my my husband's really close friend and my really close friend from uni and they started going out. And so like they were at a wedding in Florence and I wasn't there. So I'm just going to say paraphrase from his perspective. They were at this wedding in Florence. He was sat next to her. They got talking and she was like, I think I have someone who you'd really get along with. Are you single? And he was like, yeah, I'm single. Like I'm actually like looking to start to like date someone. Like tell me about this person. And my friend says to him, well, she's going to be the first female president of Nigeria. <laughs> and he's like, oh my God, I want to meet her. <laughs> And so they come back to London and my friend, and at this point I just got out of like a situationship, God, like I remember when I used to do those. And so my friend is like, oh, like, are you free for dinner on Wednesday? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it'd be good to catch up. How was the wedding? And she's like, actually, like I'm bringing, I'm bringing someone for you to meet. And I was like, oh my God, I already told you I'm not interested in seeing (laughs) one, please. But then she was like, oh no, no, he's called Toye. And I was like, oh, because ever since I was listening, this is going to sound so crazy. I just knew I was going to end up with someone who had a Y in the, in the name. So, oh, so even when I would have boyfriends, if they didn't have a Y in the name, I'd be like, well, like not the one last, but I'll have fun anyway. And then when the real thing comes along, I'll know it. So when she told me his name, I did think, oh, is it, maybe I should just go on this date. So I, so I committed to the dates. The day of the day, I'm so nervous. I literally have butterflies. I'm like, oh my God. I don't even like, what is this? To the point where I show up half an hour early. Who does? Wow, that's a rogue move. I mean, guess what? He showed up 45 minutes late. Oh no. Well, the good thing is, our friends were there. So they didn't just leave us to it, they came along as well. Oh, good. So I I was sat with them, and then he arrived, and, and he arrived just as I was ordering my drink, and I was ordering an old fashioned. And he was like, did you just order an old fashioned? I was like, yeah, he was like, that. oh my, that's my favorite cocktail. And then that was, that, that, that was it. We kind of, but it wasn't like, oh my God, I'm super attracted to you. Da, da, da. It wasn't, it was just like, interesting. I guess I could speak to you. And then, so that was that. And then we got married a couple of years later, but I think the oh thing, God. the thing with us that, I, that was different with any other relationship I'd been in was just the vulnerability from day one. Like I always say to him, like he was really like the leader in the vulnerability that we have in our relationship because like on our first, first day, he was very, very open about all of his experiences. He told me that he had lost his dad, like things. And I was like, oh my God, why are you telling me this? I was a bit like, this is a bit much. Mm. But for him, I was like, no, no, no. Like I, I want you to know me. I'm like, mm, that's interesting. And like, I was the kind of person I didn't know how to communicate with men. I'd never had like a healthy relationship. So I had no idea. So I would do things like if I was really upset about something, 
I would stew on it for days and then send a really long um, <laughs> message explaining the intricacies, intricacies of my feelings and why this triggered this memory that, from yeah. seven and whatnot. And he would literally just pick up the phone and call me and be like, can we talk about this? And I'd be like, oh, but I said everything I had to say in the message. Just yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't want to talk about uh, but then I actually felt like I haven't sent him like a long message expressing like how I upset about something in like four years. Wow. Because, you know, I've grown out of that. Now I can actually use my words and not be passive aggressive and like have the conversation. And just so it, it's, I've really right? learned a lot um, about communication and stuff through through the relationship. Um, we've been together for five years, married for like a year and a half now. Aww. And it's 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 really been great. It's just like having like an inbuilt best friend and partner and you know everything and I always say this to people I don't think the decision to get married was necessarily an emotional one it really wasn't I think it was very much a it was like I need this person we are at the stage where we want to make this commitment so that we can go further in our in our in our partnership Mm. this is the right thing to do and I think also because I'm a feminist and I was like oh my god it was my mom's dream I was like you need to get married at the same age that I got married just get married young and I, I didn't, I, I hadn't even thought about the fact that I had fulfilled like my parents' dreams for me. That did not make me happy. I was like, oh my God, I've sold out. What am I this doing? is not me. <laughs> but the truth is, it just was the right decision for yeah. me. And the evidence of that is even yesterday, I was talking to some of my friends and I was like, guys, like, honestly, like, how, have I changed? And they were like, honestly, you've just become more confident. You've just become more free. You've just become more you. And I'm like, well, that's literally all you can ask for in a relationship isn't it yeah exactly and you know the same the same I hope for the same for him as well so so what would you say is the biggest difference between being in a uh like yeah well being just together and then being married not having this thing at the back of my mind of like am I giving too much that ends like you can give as much because I think for me I'm quite a generous person and I never ever I was like oh I don't want to be taken advantage of blah blah blah. Mm. I feel like in a marriage both people are giving their all and you can give as much as you want and you know that that commitment is there because they can't just easily wake up and say oh you know I want to get out of this yeah exactly and so I think it's that level of commitment for me that is the key difference you can't just get out of it easily um yeah and I, I definitely don't want to. I'm too. One of my mentors said to me one day, she's so funny. She was like, "I'm too. I'm too busy, and I'm I, I'm too busy to be bothered with the divorce. I just can't. I don't have capacity for it. So this has to work." I'm like, "Girl, there's no you. other way. Yeah, there's no other way. I'm too busy, too tired." Um, what was I going to ask you? Female uh, had... friendships. That's my favorite topic. Yes. To talk about. It's so misunderstood. It's so misunderstood. And I, and I, and, I, and honestly, I think I, I, not to sound like a raging feminist and always talking about patriarchy, but I do think like pitting women against women, women is one of the reasons why the patriarchy has been so successful. Yeah, totally. Over years because when you pitch women against women, they, they lose power and they lose that collective identity that makes us so powerful. Mm-hmm. For me, female friendships, I think that's the best gift God has given us as women. The ability to have someone else who knows what it's like to be a woman, first and foremost, God, how crazy is it to exist as a woman? And then if you now think about the fact that we exist as black women, the challenges of that are just a whole other thing. But I think for me, the gift of my female friendships is I've seen, I've seen how much your life can improve when you know that you are loved and seen by your girlfriends. Totally. And it's the kind of thing where, and I always say this, 
they don't have to, it's, it's not like you need to find people that deserve it. You need to be the person that creates it. It's all Amen, within, wow. it's all within your reach. You can create the kind of, and when people ask me, oh, oh, you have such great friends. Your friends always go over and above for you. I'm like, yeah, they do. And I'm so grateful, but it, I decided that I'm going to be the kind of friend that I want to have. And life just followed suit. Everything in your life is a reflection of who you are. And so a lot of, the, the problem is a lot of people are quite entitled. They're waiting for someone to be a friend to them and they've never been a friend to anybody. Mm. Someone has asked me once, oh, you know, how do I, how do I get, you know, trustworthy friends? I'm like, can you t- tell me people that will describe you as a trustworthy friend? That's like a good starting point. And she couldn't say anything. I'm like, well, there's your answer then. Mm. I don't mean to be too direct or too harsh. Like that's just my style. But the truth is you have the ability to create the community that you want. You just need to get over your ego and do it. I love Oprah. I think she's amazing. But the person I respect even more is Gail King because she is best friends with someone who has so much more than her. And she's so happy, maybe even more happy than Oprah, (laughs) you know? So there is something said about someone like that. So of course, as they've gotten older, Gail is killing it now. She has her own show. Like she's doing so well for herself, but it's, it's not because she's friends with Oprah. It's because she is who she is. Yeah. And she's consistently just demonstrated like the strength of character to be there for someone else. And I think that is super admirable. So I think, you know, it's not about what can I get? It's more about what can I give? That's my perspective. And I'm not, and I'm not going to say like, you know, all friendships are perfect or whatever. I just feel like we, like back to the conversation around vulnerability, mm. jealousy and envy, very normal feelings. Why do we, why are we trying to hide and pretend like, you know, we don't get jealous or envious of people when they're doing things that maybe we wish we had or whatever. What is, how do you, how do you respond to that? I always ask people to do an experiment when you're on Instagram and you're scrolling and you see that girl, the one who just seems to have everything. There she is again. Of course, she's engaged. There she is again. Oh, got the promotion, got the job, blah, blah, blah. And you're scrolling and you're having all these thoughts and you don't like it or leave a comment. Train yourself to like it and leave a comment. So if I feel envious or jealous of someone, I comment and I, and, and I, I train myself to say, you know what? They're just an example of what is possible. You can have it too. But what you cannot have it if you can't celebrate it on someone else. It's not possible. Yeah. Damn, that is that is a real truth. I feel like I really needed to hear that because I definitely, I am definitely guilty. <laughs> we all are. We all are. But we have to, we, this is the thing, like, and this is why conversations are so important because you have to learn coping mechanisms to really yeah. get the life that you desire. Nobody wants to always be looking at someone else being successful and being disappointed in themselves. Totally, you yeah. know, it's a constructed limiting belief that is embedded in most women. Mm. But we again have the power and the choice to reject it. So I reject that notion. Whatever table I want to be at, there will be space for me. And if there's no space, I will make my own table. It is, it is what it is. That is, that is, that is, that is my own personal, personal belief. Um, and I think it also goes to sometimes us learning to kind of limit how much we take in from the media and from social media and from all these other external parties, but that's my dear, a whole other conversation. <laughs> I feel like I'm learning so much. I'm going to have to have you back. You're going to have to be like <laughs> my regular monthly. 
Yes, just like in process all the time. We can just have coffees and like you actually we can have we can have um virtual wine dates and I can tell you like yes and I can I I can become a a kind of sommelier. Sommelier, is that how you say it? Sommelier. Sommelier. Sommelier like that. Um, (laughs) So this is where I like completely show how uncultured I am. I'm like a smelly what? (laughs) (laughs) Don't know what it is. Um, you said that you mentor people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another string to your bow. How do you number one find the time to do this, and number two, what do you think are the biggest things that you've been able to, like pieces of wisdom that you've been able to share with your mentees? Um, so I actually find time within my work day. I don't really believe like you know work time is work time and lifetime. I think you kind of find a balance that works for you. Mm-hmm. And so I would have meetings with my mentees at like 10 a.m., 11 a.m., whatever, just within my my diary. I just kind of find time. I also think like if you if I give them time, I will find people more senior than me that will also give me time. And actually, I've been really blessed to be like a lot of people have taken me under their wing this year. And that's how I was able to even find this, you know, transition rules, etc. So I really, really do believe that you attract like I, I know I'm sounding like a broken record, but you really do attract what you what you what you give out yeah and so when I give them time I actually see as an investment in myself um so that's that what have I been able to impart home by well there's a lot of jokes that's for sure because you know (laughs) I love to laugh and I you know I, I I don't take myself too seriously but I think you know the areas that I tend to talk to them about the most is about finding balance in life and and not tying your identity completely to what it is that you spend your time doing trying to separate the difference between who you are and what you do and being very clear on the boundaries around that because that's something that I learned early on is that like I worked so hard to go to the right uni the right school get the right grades and then I've ended up in a you know an amazing company and I'm just not happy because I'm going there every day coming home too tired I'm sleeping I was like my life is like passing me by and I had a revelation that life has to be lived in 3d and what I mean by that is taking into account the three different dimensions. So your earning dimension, which was my job, your dreaming dimension, which is whatever your natural gifts and talents are and how you channel those. So for me, I'm really good at public speaking. I'm really good at inspiring people. So things like a conversation about womanhood, my blog, when I was doing it, the speaking engagements that I do, that's my dreaming dimension. And that's where I can really shine and be myself. And then the third dimension, which is sharing and giving back. So I do that through my charity in Nigeria, Teacher Girl Nigeria. We sponsor and mentor girls who are high performers in low income um, communities by paying their fees, but also mentoring them and encouraging them that they can actually get to the end of their educational journey, but also like just mentoring people, all of that. So you have to have all three of those dynamics happening sort of at the same time, or at least be aware of what your aspirations are in those areas, because one single dimension will not, will not, will not be enough to fulfill you. you. Mm. And so that's the main thing that I I try to teach them. And I try to help them navigate and find out what that dreaming dimension is, because that's the hardest one to crack. But quick question. So with that, does that mean that, because I was thinking that perhaps um, that you would one at some point in your life to only focus on um, a conversation about womanhood and your charities and all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and you know when you're at a place of financial support maybe stop working at Goldman Sachs but 
you're in, right. <laughs> uh, is that is that kind of what you're looking towards? Or absolutely. And the reason why I will be able to do that is because the earning dimension is fulfilled. I see. Okay. What I mean. So exactly. okay, because I'm thinking if they so, all have to be simultaneously, does that mean not that necessarily? Going- like you can start with them being simultaneous because of the situation. Frankly, I can't afford to not work. But I I hope that if I invest correctly and I you know do the right things in my thirties. I will be in a position, hopefully in my early 40s slash mid 40s, where I don't have to, like where making money is not the driver of my decisions. Mm. Funny enough, I had an aha moment when I was listening to Kylie, Jen- Kylie Jenner talk about this. They asked her, oh, sorry, Kylie Jenner, I can't even believe <laughs> it. But anyway, they asked her like, what is, what is the best thing about being a billionaire? Like what's the difference? And she said, you know what? Having that amount of money has meant that the pursuit of money is no longer a goal. So she actually can fully focus on what she truly cares about and is passionate about. And I was like, God, that's a lot of wisdom for you. I mean, I don't think it's going to take a billion like five years ago. Uh, <laughs> five years ago, all she said when they were like, what are you going to do for New Year? She was like, I'm just going to be realizing stuff. And now she's coming out with like <laughs> quotes like that. Well, there you are. And I was like, Obviously, this is actually cool, kind to her. Right? Because Oprah said something similar. She was like, when you take money out of the equation, mm. you can really, i.e. when it's sorted and you have enough to meet your needs and do all the things that you want to do. Because again, you know, there's greed as well. It's not about being greedy. It's about just having enough to feel like, okay, I can live. Mm. Then you can focus on, you know, things that you're truly passionate about. But I guess for me, I want to start to figure those things out now. So I'm not like, super rich and I'm like okay let me start realizing stuff now it's like no I've always known it's just like now I can channel my energy my time and my resources into building these areas so yeah the dream will be to only to only work if I want to but mostly to focus on you know some of these other passion projects I I'm very generous with myself around the concept of time I'm not in a hurry I'm not I'm not in a hurry I'm more interested in being present in the days that I've got for two reasons one I've seen the life literally slip from someone's eyes. I've been there when someone has passed. Like I, I've seen death basically. And I, and I know that like, you know, it could be anyone at any time. Mm. Um, I have family members that didn't reach certain ages. Like I, I'm, I, the reality of death is not lost on me. And I, and, I, and I don't want to take it to a very sober tone, but I think it is worth saying. Cause I think that idea of I want it and I want it now is quite, it's quite it's quite a limited way of thinking about life and it has a lot of assumptions baked in it that you will get the days to see all of those things mm. I, I know that any day it could end I hope to have a I pray I have a long life I assume I will and that's how I live but I also am mindful that all I have is today tomorrow let's see that's mm. the first thing the second thing is that you know I'm trying to build a long life and a legacy I'm not trying to be on a list for one year and be forgotten. I'm not trying to have a quick, a quick, you know, my time, it be a one hit wonder. I want to be a slow burn. That's how I see myself. So there's no rush. I've been wanting to write this book for like five, like the, when I first got this revelation was in 2015. Every year, a friend of mine asked me, so where are we with the book? Da, da, da. And every year I'm like, I, I just, when I'm ready, it will be done. Mm-hmm. And there's no pressure. I'm not a failure because I haven't yet done it. And I think that that's, that's maybe the difference. And that again comes from a lot of therapy and a lot of building up self-love and building up like all of the different tools and my little toolkit for what makes me, you know, be my best self. But there's no, I'm not competing with anyone. I'm competing with myself. I'm kind to myself. I give myself time and space. 
And I really, really trust God and the plan that he has for my life. I believe that I'm not walking in something that I've made up. There is a path for me that is very specific and already laid out. And as long as I stay in alignment, I will realize all these things. That is my faith. That is the confidence that my faith gives me. So maybe that's why I'm able, I'm able to approach this in a bit of a different way, but ultimately that's what it boils down to. And it's not the way that everyone thinks, thinks about life, but that's what I've been able to find in my faith is the confidence that there is a plan for my life that is unfolding. And it sounds as well that it also affords you um, patience, I think is such a virtue that a lot of us no longer have is, is yeah. patience to see something through or mm -hmm. the patience that, you know, if we work hard at something, it, it will amount to something. Yeah. I said <laughs> to you, we're so used to like doing work. something and wanting, wanting the exactly. uh, results straight away. Yeah. Um, I've worked for seven years. Um, I don't think I've worked very, very hard for the last three and a half years. And this is the first time where I feel like what I'm going to be spending my days doing is something that I was born to do. It's taken seven years. It's taken me doing at least seven different jobs, actually, to finally land in this place where I'm taking on this role at this point in my career where I feel like it's almost too good to be true. So I'm going to be working in an investment team where my job is basically to find diverse businesses run by black, black people or women who have good ideas and basically give them money to fund their ideas. That's who else can say that that's what they do as a day job? But that didn't just land in my lap. I've also been in a situation where I'm waking up at 6 a.m., getting to the office. I'm working so hard that I develop carpal tunnel. My sleep is interrupted. There was a season of that as well. Mm. I didn't know when I was in that season that eventually I will like get to this season where like, it's like, okay, everything is now coming together. Also, it didn't happen in six months. It took seven years. Are we willing to give things the years that they need to materialize? And so, I don't know if I could say anything to anyone listening, I'll say there must be an area in your life where you could be a bit more patient. Look for it. That's such good advice. Um, one thing that I ask my guests uh, as we're wrapping up the end of the podcast is um, two things. The first thing is, what do you feel the most uncertain about right now? Well, it's it's what the world will look like um, whenever we, and, and I think I'm even at the point of, I'm not sure we will ever come out of this whole season. I don't I don't think I, I want to think of it like that anymore because I don't want to be waiting for the end. Mm. I think it's how will we transition to normal even in this uncertain period? Because I think we need to all transition. We can't keep waiting, you know, for the end when we don't even know if it's if it is gonna end. Like, so I think that is it. Like the new normal, it, it needs to start now, and what that looks like is up to everybody to define, and that is very uncertain totally totally this this new normal the new normal whatever it will be um and what is the thing that you feel the most certain about right now that I will always have my husband my family my friends and we can we can look after each other oh it's amazing you're honestly just even hearing you talk about everyone in your life is so 
lovely and amazing and I mean yeah it goes without saying just hearing you speak today everyone will just know what an amazing person you are you just you give so much and you are so wise and I feel like I have absorbed and learned so much from this conversation and I hope that everyone who listens will have as well um so thank you, thank you, thank, thank you, you so much for doing this. And I've loved this conversation. And, you know, I think what you're doing is very, it's its amazing and it's very much needed. So I'm sure you go through tough times where you wonder like, what is the point of this? There is a point, you might just be saving a life. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you so much. Um, thank you, my love. Thank the you. And if you have enjoyed it, please like, rate and subscribe and share with anyone that you think would appreciate it. And we'll be back very soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye.